Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Here goes Gage in motion with leaving Jones to the right. Matt bails from the pocket to his right side. Now he's going to run with it. He'll step inside the five. Did he hit the pylon for the touchdown? Looks like he did, and he is. Matt Ryan in the end zone for the Atlanta touchdown on the 13-yard run. Ryan to Gurley. Left side. Touchdown, Atlanta. Todd Gurley took a Darius Taylor into the end zone with him. Atlanta Falcons win their second game of the year. They beat the Carolina Panthers 25-17. Matt Ryan and Todd Gurley running for touchdowns in a game that I think tells us that neither of these teams is going to the playoffs. It would take an extraordinary turnaround. They both got losing records. And in the NFC right now, there are at least a couple games out of the playoff picture, PK. Shoot! I know, right? Games matching or featuring playoff teams or matching playoff teams, the big dogs in the NFC. Uh, I guess depending on how you want to define it. You, first off, you can label the uh, big dogs any way you'd like. But the Green Bay Packers are certainly in the mix at home against the Vikings. That's 5-1 and one versus 1-5. and five. Green Bay keep rolling, PK. You got any doubts there? Well, as long as they put in Jordan Love, I think their future's bright. Ah, it's only a matter of time, right? It's got to happen. The Rams are. Yeah, I expect the Packers to win. Rams are five and two with one win over a team with a winning record. And if they beat the Dolphins this week, the Dolphins will be three and four with Tua Tagovailoa making his uh, first NFL start. So fun to look forward to that. But I would expect the Rams to win. Man, if Tua comes out and beats the Rams right out of the gate, crank up the hype machine. Yeah, well, you you just go with the favorites every time, though. You know, they're really not much of a favorite. It surprised me to see the Rams well, by three. A favorite. They are their favorite, but only three. <laughs> Showdown in the AFC. Steelers, Ravens. That's 6-0 and versus 5-1. and That's an excellent matchup. Yeah. Steelers, though. Baltimore's the favorite. I'm going with the Steelers. Well, somebody's got to take the Steelers down at some point. I think the Steelers are the better team. I guess if they're going to lose, going to Baltimore is a good time, even if they're on their way to, you know, I don't know, 13-3 and or 14-2 and and they're having an awesome season. They're still probably going to get beat somewhere, so why not the Ravens? So you're going with the underdog. Did I just shame you into picking the underdog? No, I think the Steelers are very good. But I don't think they're, they're the I underdog. Don't, I don't think they're going sixteen and zero. So maybe I just got to go for the favorite here because they're good. If you're going fourteen and two and you're really good, where are you going to lose? In Baltimore to a five and one Raven team? Logical, PK. Very logical. Oh yeah, and that's that's you to a T. Saints and Bears, another big showdown right there. Four and two Saints, five and two Bears. It's a good matchup. Sunday night football. PK, I know prime time. You got the feet up. It's the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, big game in the NFC East. Yak is shaking his head vigorously. No, Yak's going to bed early Sunday night. Flex something else into that spot, please. Cowboys over early. Cowboys two and five. Eagles two four and one. They're playing for first place in the division. And the Cowboys are going to play a third string quarterback, Ben DiNucci, from Dolly Madison. From where? Dolly Madison. Dolly Madison? Or James Madison. Neither. The seventh-round pick, wasn't he? 
You are correct. Former Syracuse yeah. guy. All right, a lot of big games there. Uh, Gardner Minshew is one of the big injuries going into this weekend. Uh, his uh, thumb got all sorts of jacked up. Multiple fractures and a strained lim- ligament. That would be great in the ticker, but it just said thumb. Semicolon. Jacked up. Well, it's a high thumb sprain. Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman is also uh, apparently out with a knee procedure. Is that that just means surgery? Arthroscopic surgery? A knee procedure. Not expected to play against the Bills. All right, DJ. Oh, the Jerry Sloan. The Jerry Sloan coaching showdown of the weekend. Statistical uh, note and oddity. Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, when the Steelers play the Ravens. They'll be the first pair of coaches in the Super Bowl era to have faced off against each other 25 times, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. So the Jerry Sloan coaching stability game of the week is the Steelers and the Ravens. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Yeah, you know, my whole life, I feel like I've always come from the bottom. I've, I've, I've never been the guy that's had so many scholarship offers or was known as the big-time high school recruit or even when I first got into high school, you know, I was the fourth-string quarterback my sophomore year at Corner Canyon. And so you know, it's kind of a motto I've kind of lived by my whole life. You know, I came here to BYU, and no one expected me to play. And we had so many other quarterbacks in front of me. And, you know, I got injured. No one expected me to come back from it. And so it's kind of, you know, it's not ever directed at one person. You know, it's kind of a mentality that I have that if people are going to doubt you, I'm going to use that as fire to you know fuel my fire and you know prove everybody wrong and, and show people that I, I am capable of being able to fight through adversity and come back from things Riley Jensen was just telling us about that exactly that point he's listing all the NFL quarterbacks who are really good and the fact that they didn't have a lot of college offers you know Drew Brees didn't want to leave Texas and go to Purdue was one of his examples and and he rattled off like a half dozen of them very quickly you know Aaron Rodgers having to play JC ball because nobody wanted him because his high school uh, team his high school offensive line wasn't very good and he was running for his life so there it is backing up Riley and you love running for his life so dramatic that cliche (laughs) yeah (laughs) I thought I'd throw it in at the end. (laughs) Well, wait a second. I'm the only guy who nobody believed in. There can't be a bunch of us. (laughs) I think there can be, actually. (laughs) And, yeah, I get it. You want to have that chip, that axe, whatever. Uh, It's not entirely true because the BYU had a plan for him his freshman year, and they executed it. Basically, midway through the season, they were going to put him in. (laughs) So... When he came to BYU, he wasn't fourth string. The plan was what was executed. I mean, I was told that in August, that this is what was likely. You never know what's going to happen, but that was the plan, and it came to pass. But that doesn't matter. If that's what he wants to use, I'm all for it. Just don't get swallowed up in it to where it becomes a negative and most times it isn't a negative. And I don't think, obviously, in this case that it is a negative. You don't want to do that, oh, I'll show you, I'll show you, to where you start doing things that aren't appropriate and are crazy. But I don't think he's done that, so that hasn't been a problem. But if that's what he wants to use, great. You were avoiding another classic cliche right there. He's got to play within himself. <laughs> Well, within himself is actually really good. <laughs> so, right. yeah, sure, yeah. go ahead and do that. That's what I'm saying. He hasn't done that right. to where he's gotten swallowed up in it. He's actually used it for a positive, and it obviously it's been good. And he's going to continue to play very well. He's a very talented young man. 
And he'll get to throw a bunch more touchdown passes, presumably, as BYU, 6-0, will host Western Kentucky, 2-4, and in what should be another blowout. Saturday yeah. night, LaBelle Edwards Stadium. 8-15 kickoff, expected to slide. I think it's coming right after an SEC game, so they get into one of those uh, 52-35 to shootouts, you know. It'll start on ESPNU at 8.30, and then at 8.45, they'll get over to the game. You know how that works. We've seen that drill a few times. Now. ESPN News, let's be clear. Oh, okay, you think it'll be ESPN News, not ESPNU. You're probably right. That's, That's what they've been doing, yeah. yeah. Cougar pregame show starts at 7 o'clock here on The Zone, 97.5. Uh, 12.80, we'll be having the uh, Aggie game. And speaking of the Aggies. Hashtag Utah State. San Diego State is a very experienced team. They return a lot of people on the defensive side of the football and a lot of guys up front on the offensive line. So they got a lot of people coming back, and they're going to be physical. They're going to be big. They're going to be strong, just like they always are. They're going to be gifted at the wide receiver position. You know, nothing different from San Diego State that I think that you're going to see every single year. They want to smack you in the mouth just like they have been, and they're dining and dashing on the, the defensive side of the ball. It's not rocky anymore. It's not, but it feels a lot like his defenses. They're going to take some chances and, you know, get up in your face. They're a quality unit. And and we're excited to be able to play them here at home. And they'll be well coached. And we've got to bounce back and put our best foot forward. Gary Anderson, head coach of the Utah State Aggies. That's from the interview he does with us every week here on The Zone on uh, at the start of every week. Aggies are on one after that loss of Boise State. San Diego State 1-0 after taking down UNLV. His point about the defense, uh, pretty well made PK. Most of his defense recruited by Rocky, practice under Rocky. So it's they're going to look and play like Rocky for a while, you would think. Maybe it'll change over time, but not in game two of the first season after he's gone. No, not at all. I mean, I watched the good decent portion of that game Saturday before it got out of hand, and it just screamed Rocky. That's what it said. I said on Monday he should have got the win, and his win total in his career win total because it really was a reflection of who he is and who we've come to know and really respect over the years at New Mexico San Diego State. Now he's back with the uh, Lobos as a D coordinator. Uh, but for the Aggies, I mean, I think this is a huge game. You don't want to go crazy in the second win, uh, second game of the season, but, you know, at best, at best, their effort and their performance against Boise State was spotty. And so you want some form of consistency and they really didn't have any from. They had moments where it was good, but well, obviously it wasn't near enough. And most of the time, it was inconsistent, and you felt no confidence in the throw game. Zero. I mean, Jalen Warren looked pretty good on the ground, so you felt decent about that. But 92 yards, I think it was, 95 yards, something like that, uh, in passing with Jason Silly. Not that it was all his fault by any stretch, but they, they got to get going a little bit here. It wasn't just the 92 yards, which you're right. Uh, really low completion percentage, 14-27. You throw a pick. You don't have a touchdown. You know, they, they got shut out in the first half. Uh, I thought Warren got going a little bit in the third quarter, so that's to your point about, about Spotty there. Uh, but he still averaged under a shade of four yards per carry. So plenty of questions coming out of that game. And you know they were missing 14 guys, and everyone's – Trying to hide how many guys are missing. I'm no longer surprised when I turn on a game and suddenly find somebody or multiple somebodies is missing. Yeah. You know, it's no, like, not all right, at all. coaches no, are looking for be. the edge. Some guys, it gets announced uh, earlier, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, um, but it also just it just happens. It's a seven-and-a-half-point spread in this game. The Aggies are seven-point underdogs. BYU, the spread's bounced around, but they're favored by about 29. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
Here's that shotgun snap. Hayner back to throw. Steps up in the pocket. Now escapes to his right. Throws on the run for the end zone. Caught Touchdown. in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Ronnie Rivers. Ten games in a row. He has found that checkerboard end zone. The toss to Rivers trying to get between two defenders. Oh. Does. He breaks oh. the tackle. Oh. Left sideline oh. 20. Breaks another to the five and in. Touchdown. Ronnie Rivers. Touchdown, Fresno State. 32 yards. His second score tonight. Quit moaning during the play-by-play, uh-huh, guys. Uh-huh, Call. Jeez. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's why I love Lincoln. He doesn't do stuff like that. That is so annoying. And then to yell touchdown as the play-by-play guy is trying to say it. Would you stop it. All right, 38-17. Fresno State beats Colorado State. They're 1-1 one one now. They open with a loss to Hawaii. And in a couple weeks, the Aggies will be seeing Fresno State, uh, see if they get their feet underneath them here. Fresno State's been a little up and down lately, but uh, when they're good, they've won conference championships. So out of the gate, one and one, and they dominate CSU. All right, the big college football news, though. Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID-19. He will not play against Boston College. I've seen various things. It's a In this league, every league's different. It's a 21-day deal in, in, uh, in the Big Ten, but it's only 10 days in the ACC. And although the report was yesterday, it's not absolutely clear. Seems to be mixed info on when he went into quarantine and whether he'll be back for the big showdown with Notre Dame. And PK, I think Clemson's got so much status that even if they lose to Boston College, which I don't think they will, but even if they did, if they lose without Lawrence, it's like it doesn't count. They get into the playoff anyway. As long as they win the rest of the games, yeah. As long as they win with Lawrence, yeah. But a loss without Lawrence, they don't get penalized for, I don't think, as long as he's back for the playoff. Well, they got this freshman kid. It's like uh, Yuga Lele. I don't really know how to pronounce his name. He's from Bellflower, which is that uh, John Bosco thing, uh, quarterback factory I think that's where Josh Rosen went in the Long Beach area. And so he got there in January, won the backup job. So, yeah, you're right. I do expect them to win. I mean, he was listed as the number one pocket passer in the country for what that's worth coming out of high school. So it's all about next week and whether Trevor Lawrence can come back. But it goes to think of what I've been talking about. It's hard for me to put a ton of emphasis on this season, knowing that there's going to be. It's not a question of if, it's a question of who. And you're just going to have to roll with it. Still play the games, get out there. But it's, it's so jacked up, depending from week to week, that it's really hard to just put big-time evaluations on this when these kids are having to sit out like this. And obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the latest and biggest name. So, games to watch this weekend, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock on Fox. Undefeated Oklahoma State. Is the Big 12 going to have a playoff team? If not, does it open up for Clemson and Notre Dame or a second SEC team? Or if someone could get through the Pac-12 undefeated? All those storylines. But Oklahoma State's playing Texas this week. That's on Big Fox at 2 o'clock. Boise State Air Force, 4 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. But Air Force is missing so many guys, PK. I I don't view that as a big test for Boise State. they got like 40 guys who've opted out of the season at Air Force. Yeah, I understand that. I, I see where you're going with that, but still, I mean, it's something that I'll watch. Ohio State and Penn State at 5.30 on ABC. Of course, Penn State losing to Indiana. The controversial finish. Are they going to be 0-2 out of the gate and basically done? They were a top-10 team coming in, but basically their playoff hope is done after two games if they lose this one to Ohio State. Nebraska are they whining too much for you, PK? 
there's plenty of stuff out there. They they were upset they couldn't play, then they were upset that they had to open with Ohio State and Wisconsin. Now they're upset they can't play Wisconsin and upset that they can't play a non-conference game against Chattanooga, an FCS team. I don't team understand why they out. can't play. What, what's the deal there? The league said no non-conference games. So what? Why? <laughs> I don't know, but at this point, I think they're sick of Nebraska. DJ and PJ. Well, I, you know, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Before we go, you wonder if Nebraska says, screw this, goes back to the Big 12, or, uh, yeah, Big 12, and then they need another team. So something to keep your eye on as far as BYU goes. Absolutely. I think that is, of all the scenarios, and you can cook up multiple scenarios, hey, if this happens and that happens, can BYU get into the into the Big 12? But the best scenario is that one, not two, but just one team that used to be in the Big 12 wants to return. And whether that's Missouri or Nebraska or whoever, get 11 because I think BYU is a good fit as 12. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Indiana Pacers guard Malcolm Brogdon serves as the uh, NBA Players Association, Association vice president, said he absolutely, that's in quotes, absolutely expects today's deadline for the NBA or the NBA's Players Association to opt out of the collective bargaining agreement to be pushed back as both sides work through several issues before returning to play. PK, I can't believe a league would have a labor stoppage now. I mean, they're never good, and it always looks like millionaires fighting with billionaires because it is millionaires fighting with billionaires. But when everybody's already stressed and You've already got all kinds of financial issues. It seems like you got to work together, and the NBA probably will. I'd be stunned if they had anything else happen. Yeah, but you live in the real world. Yeah. They don't. They live in the fantasy world of pro sports. Financially, do they live in the real world? I think that they've already made the... They've already made the concessions and, uh, and, and cut deals to get to the bubble that makes me think that they understand that, that point. Okay, I hope so. If I were the NBA, I, sh- I would have come out and said I want to play Martin Luther King Day because then the Players Association would say, no, we want to play President's Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves met with potential top draft pick LaMelo Ball in Southern California. You know, all this draft stuff is such a big deal in June. And now, you know, we're just coming off the World Series. The football NFL season is getting to the midway point. The Big Ten's kicked off. The pac 12s about to. It just seems swallowed up. Even though we know it's happening and we know it's coming in a two, two and a half bit. weeks. My prediction is that ball does go to Minnesota. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well, we knew it was coming, and now it's official. Tony La Russa is the new manager of the Chicago White Sox. Coming full circle, PK. Three and a half decades ago, they fired him. Now he's back, baby. And a 76-year-old... Get them across the finish line? Well, I don't think any age has anything to do with it. I mean, at 76, 46, 36, uh, can you manage? If you have your health and your enthusiasm, uh, that's all that matters. And so uh, he seems to have that, and he wants to be in the, in the dugout. So he's an excellent manager. So the fact that he's 76 really, to me, has no bearing. It doesn't seem like it's, he's going to have a 10-year run, but we're not talking about a 10-year run. We're talking about a team that expects to win next season. So, yeah, I think he can. I think he can get him in the postseason. They look like they're an emerging, very good young team. 
of course, he won the World Series when he was in Oakland, 1989, the Earthquake Series, and then he went to St. Louis, and the Cardinals were world champs with him as a skipper as well. So twice, yeah. And the and the White Sox were uh, ten games over 500 in this shortened season. So uh, they're, they're you know, a good to, team. To your point, you know, primed and ready to go in the uh, American League Central. Right. Uh, Tigers reportedly finalizing a deal to hire A.J. Hinch, the former Houston Astros manager. Uh, Hinch and Cora were the two guys that the whole sign-stealing scandal got. Uh, got. Well, I guess the Astros fired their GM, too. But it was a very Uh-oh. short list of people who paid a high price when a lot of people were guilty. And a Beltran for the Mets. Yeah, you're right. So... A.J. Hinch uh, landing a job with Detroit. Now, Detroit, not primed really to go anywhere. They were no. 12 games under 500 and just kind of right. just kind of dragging along there. But at least he's got a job, and we'll see if they change their roster and have a chance to win. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL plays the LA Galaxy Sunday night, 830. Uh, Guillermo Barros-Scaloto, the Galaxy head coach, got fired yesterday. They are in last place. They have lost eight out of nine. And RSL's got two games left to get back into the into the postseason. The problem is one of the teams are going to have to catch Vancouver also plays the Galaxy. So it's going to take something uh, unexpected and unusual here in the last two games to make that happen. And Say the, that coach's name again. That's cool. That's I, cool I don't know that I can, honestly. I was surprised it went that well the first time. Guillermo Barros-Scalato? <laughs> uh, close, not Scalato. 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 You yeah. said it better, DJ. I like the way you said it. He did say it better. Well, he's out, so now I don't have to say it. So, we'll see if the uh, the team that's just been dragging there, and it's just been not just losing 8-9, and nine, but just they lost 5-2 to two in their last game, just giving up goals in bunches. Lost RSL actually in that stretch. Well, I mean, Beckham isn't walking through that door. He is not walking through that door. You're right. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, we got Riley Nelson, BYU football analyst, former BYU quarterback. He is going to join us next. David Locke and Lincoln Kennedy in the 8 o'clock hour to talk about the jazz sale and the NFL. I think you know which guy will do which. And Kyle Whittingham in the 9 o'clock hour. It's a football Friday. Riley Nelson next to talk Cougars and talk about... How good is that Cougar quarterback? How good is Zach? And what does he think of his NFL prospects? We'll get to that coming up. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Tanner Mangum with us in a lopsided matchup against Western Kentucky. What are you looking for this week from BYU? What is catching your interest? It has to be more of the same. If they're going to continue to make this case as a top 10 team, if they're going to start flirting with the playoff possibility, it has to be more of the same. Especially now that Big Ten's back, Pac-12's coming back. Now the field is much more packed. Those schools are going to be getting some more looks, and so they, they need to continue to show that dominance and increase their chances of climbing higher in the rankings. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Plumbing, heating, or electrical. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. It's time to welcome in Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, former BYU quarterback. Riley, good morning. Morning, DJ. Morning, PK. How y'all doing? 
We're doing well, and we're very happy you're here. We've tried to get you on this year, and we haven't been able to, and we were worried that, you know, we'd insulted you, and we were old news. You just moved on to, to bigger and better names. No, it's just that when you add babies to the family, the mornings get rougher and rougher. So, But you guys caught me on a good week, so I'm glad to be with you again. All right, we are curious as the uh, as the Cougars crush everyone in front of them, and as Zach Wilson's uh, draft stock keeps soaring. Saw a mock draft yesterday. Was it Yahoo PK? It was Yahoo, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, Yahoo had him as the fourth best quarterback, and as the sixth pick in the draft. Four of the top six were quarterbacks. They had him going to Minnesota. Obviously, the draft order can can change. There's so many games left in the season. But how do NFL people? hold him in such high regard when the competition is obviously overmatched and he has a ton of time to throw and all that kind of stuff. What are people seeing in him? Because that is in top 10 pick. That is high praise. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wish I had audience with uh, last time I talked to a scout was back when I was playing and trying to explore if I had any, you know, chance of getting a sniff at the next level, obviously, we know that wasn't probably – it wasn't as encouraging. But, no, I don't have direct access to Scott. I don't know, uh, DJ, I don't know how they um, equalize for level of competition. I mean, obviously they got that North Dakota State, that Trey Lance kid. He's up high again. There's You got Carson Wentz, um, you know, who was – people talk about Joe Flacco came out of Delaware, but he was at Michigan before Delaware, so he was a big time. But you look at those other guys, like you look at Wentz, and you can see, oh, Wentz was just – a late bloomer, right? He was he was a 6'5 string being going to North North Dakota State. He fills out, and and there's the objective things of just being big and strong and fast and throw the ball a country mile. Zach is uh, Zach is uh, different than those kind of prospects who who they who play against lesser competition. In that, his to me his biggest asset is how developed his skill is. Like he is spent a ton of time working on his craft to where outside the pocket, on the run, down the field. I mean, he just made – he's pinpoint accurate. He's got all the touch. He can laser it if he needs to. He can put air under it. He can throw that two ball that's in between. It's over the backers in front of the safeties. Um, and all of those all of those skill elements are largely affected by the defense. Like, everybody was loving that Texas State throw. And don't get me wrong, I loved it too. Anytime a ball goes 60 yards – in that more than 60 yards in the air and ends in a touchdown, that's an incredible accomplishment by the quarterback. But it probably is only happening to a school like Texas State for many reasons. One, the safety, you know, should be athletic enough to recover. He's playing a P5 school. The safety is athletic enough to recover. Probably doesn't bust in the first place, get his eyes in the backfield and get out of position to allow it to be open and all those things. But people remain impressed. And so if I'm Zach, I'm, I'm loving it because uh, – it hasn't seemed to be a distraction for him and his play on the field for BYU. And, of course, his his dream, he's getting one step closer to living out his dream of playing football professionally. Has he done anything this season where you thought, wow, I didn't really see that coming? You know, I, a couple of the throws that he has made, um, there is something to – and I had the same uh, operation on my shoulder that he did, and I can attest to you're really not – you know, you're back and you're throwing in about nine to ten months, but you don't feel like your old self again, probably more like 18 months later. And so, obviously, he was within those 18 months last season. He's outside of the 18 months this season, and it's market. A couple of the whole shots that he's thrown uh, have been really impressive to me. And then a couple of the off-platform – there's one where he's rolling – um, he's rolling to the sideline, and he throws a back shoulder about 35 yards down the field. Those were throws that – 
just from watching him as a freshman and sophomore, I didn't know he had in his bag. But the athleticism I knew had been there, the, competitive, the competitiveness, I've always seen it, always known that it's there. And, uh, and then, of course, the dedication to the craft. You know, I know he's been, I'm good friends with John. And I, I, when I, my in-laws live down in that area, so when I'm down there on board, I go over to the field where John Beck and 3D QB work guys out. So I've been seeing Dak go down there since he was a junior in, in college. So I know that work ethic and dedication has been there. None of those things have surprised me, but a couple of the feats of arm strength have a little bit. Now you got babies. You're not going to be bored of your in-laws anymore, are you? You're not going to be able to go over them. <laughs> no, and they live so close to Disneyland, uh, my pocketbook won't be, you know, my wallet won't be very bored either. Yeah. So, uh, so as you watch Zach, is there something you can say where you're saying, hey, he's still got to improve at this. I'd like to see more of X, whatever it is. Yeah, and honestly, this one I can't hold against him because they're not calling these plays. This is just not part of their offense. But what I don't see is that are, there are not many West Coast concepts. I mean, they run a little bit of, of mesh. That's more of an air raid than a West Coast, which is kind of an area read. But right now he's, he's got mostly progression-based reads, right? He's going one to two to three, and uh, th- that's a lot. You, you have to recognize – and yet, but it's mostly matchup based, and you're not reading. You're not like a key defender with an awareness defender, and then, you know, and then a backside defender that you got to worry about which of these common West Coast things. And honestly, the NFL is is changing. You know, it's not that traditional West Coast. But this is a long way of saying that, it, and not being a pro evaluator, but from watching pro football, from having rubbed shoulders with a few pro guys, one area where I think that he needs to improve is in his short to intermediate timing. It just is, it's crazy. He's more accurate 15-plus yards down the field than he is 15 yards uh, and under. And then, the, and then this is where I say it's just not required of him, so I don't really know if he can do it or not. I don't see a lot of anticipation timing window throws. Right now, mostly, he's just reading a, a route and reading a defender and then using his arm talent to get the ball there. You have to throw the, the term throw with faith, right, which means you throw it into a window between two defenders well before your guy's even there. Whether you end up in, an, uh, in a West Coast-based system in the NFL or not, you still have to be able to do that because those defenses are so good and those windows are so much smaller. So a lot has been made of this John Beck. They even mentioned it in the uh, Fresno-Colorado uh, State game as far as uh, – uh, John Beck working with quarterbacks, and I don't want to take anything away from John. I mean, I'm certainly, I'm sure he's doing a great job. But how about giving some credit to the three-year relationship that this quarterback has had and is having with Roderick and Grimes? You hit it on the head, PK. Like honestly, no, I didn't have that luxury. I had two years with Anai, two years with Delman. Taysom had one year with Delman. Uh, three years with an eye, or sorry, two years with an eye, one year with Detmer. Mangum had a year or two with an eye, one year with Grimes. Um, it's in the in the past decade, Zach Wilson has been the only BYU quarterback that's had the luxury of having all of three of his years thus far with one coach, and that makes all the difference. Not just because of the relation, and don't. And by the way, I want to. His quarterback coach, Aaron Roderick, who also, you know, was the coordinator at Utah and is doing, I don't think he officially has the title, but I know he's doing a lot of co-coordinating in that room as well. But between Roderick and Grimes and Zach, that kind of triangle, it's, it's worked magic. And it's not just Zach becoming more comfortable with them or vice versa, but it's also, this is the first time Grimes has been a play caller. And you get, 
I mean, on a much smaller scale, right? I, I went up to Logan High and coached my brother for a year and just on a, and it's high school and it's a different level and all those things. But like the first three games versus the last three games of the season, I was, I was way better as a play caller. You just get used to, all right, setting things up throughout the game. You get used to not freaking out, you know, every third long. You don't try and get it at the sticks. You're okay playing field position. You just mature into a lot of that role. And I think Grimes had a lot of that coming in. But from, you know, 2017, his first season, to now, or 2018, to now in 2020, you can tell he's really hit his stride as a play caller, and Zach has become the beneficiary of that. So what about the guys behind Zach? Because now, I mean, he's top 10 projected as a top 10 pick. We're all assuming he's gone. The guys who haven't played a lot but have been under the same coaches, how seamless a transition can there be going forward? Yeah, I mean, so with Jaron Hall's injury, obviously Baylor Romney's uh, been in there. And, and Baylor's kind of the underdog story that we all love. And the dude comes in, he's got – like he's probably got a resting heart rate of like 30 and nothing rattles him. He's so poised and his teammates love that about him and they love his leadership. Um, but guys, and look, this was from a, you know, I was a guy who was somewhat under recruited, right? I, I ended up getting scholarships and kind of getting in. So I had the base level talent to merit a scholarship, but there aren't a ton of guys that come as walk-ons that you just miss on. They're a walk-on for a reason, right? It's there's, there's some element of the game Basically, what I'm getting at is while Baylor Romney's first in line, he's got some talented guys breathing down his neck. Conover, obviously, was a four-star kid out of Arizona. When I just I, the only exposure I've had to him is in warm-ups, and I've got my hands on a little bit of practice film. He's got that talent where you look at him and his arm talent can be really exciting. Um, he, he's obviously big, he's athletic enough, so you, you got him there. Uh, you got Sol J, who's more of a Jaron Hall type who's going to be a guy that's going to be able to you know, run around and be that dual threat, make plays in his feet, which probably Baylor and Jake aren't. And then, of course, you got this unknown with Jaron where nobody really knows what his future holds. He's battled injuries his entire career, and that may be the story of his career. But if he can get back and get healthy, even if it's for a season or two, he brings a unique skill set. But, um, uh, but the uh, – so bottom line, I, th- I, I think the cupboard the cover isn't bare by any means. Uh, I think they got good guys in the program. And uh, if I had to call it today, like if Zach left today and it was up, I'd say it'd be a pretty tough battle. But Baylor obviously would be next in line and would have the inside track from having playing experience and getting all the reps of the twos. But in my, from what I've seen, Conover would be breathing right down his neck. So we've seen uh, Zach obviously develop some type of relationship with Mill. Romney's been a little bit on the shelf here the last couple of games. From a quarterback perspective, what does it take to have that quarterback have complete and total trust in the receiver? you got to be where he the, – the wide receiver has to be where the quarterback expects him, when he expects him, and then you got to bail him out of some bad situations. you got to come down with 50-50 balls. I was just listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast. He, he's got some, some good guests, but uh, and I, he, it was the beat writer for Tampa Bay. I can't even remember that guy's name. Anyway, they were talking about how Brady throughout his career has been a guy that, like, once you lose his trust, you're never seeing the ball again. They were talking about that last year in New England. Like, Nikhil Harry, he couldn't trust him to be where, where you know, he wanted him to be when he wanted him to be and, and all those things. And I'm talking about how he started to develop that with Mike Evans. He doesn't quite have it with God. Not to make this like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers or an NFL thing, but that that is the number one thing. For me, I had that guy and Cody Hoffman. Cody Hoffman did two things. One, he was always there, but two, 
you know, I my O line was especially that 2012 year. It was decimated with injuries. Guys were playing. I mean, we were two and three uh, deep on the depth chart with a bunch of dudes playing hurt. You know, like right guard playing with a cast on his arm. My center's playing with a torn groin. All that stuff. So I was running around a lot. I didn't get the chance to like set up on a solid platform and and you know deliver a nice ball. I was running around getting hit and all that stuff. Cody covered up for all of that. If I put it within like a 10-foot radius of that guy, he was coming down with it more times than not. And that just, as a quarterback, that makes you want to feed him more and more. And I think what happened that first play of the Houston game, which is really where things turned for Dax, and obviously the the injury to Gunner happened in that game as well. But Dax throws up a 50-50 ball. A guy was in his face. He was getting hit as he kind of threw it up, left it a little short. It wobbled a little bit. But sure enough, Dax and Dax in one-on-one man-to-man coverage, goes up, grabs it, breaks a tackle, and takes a 70. You love that as a quarterback. Real quick, we got to run here, but did you have you seen enough Boise State film to have any feel for how that game might go? And yeah, I know, but we're in the media. We can take them two at a time. Yeah, well, so I know they've only played one game, right? And that, But yes, I have because Bachmeyer – Polani and Khalil have been the same three playmakers for the last three seasons. So I've seen these guys. And granted, I'm only talking about the skill position, but I believe they're returning 15 out of 22 starters. So that same team that we saw, you know, that came down. And obviously we didn't see BYU didn't see Bachmeyer last year. He was hurt for that BYU game, which I think was a huge contribution as to why BYU was able to pull off that win in LaBelle Edwards Stadium last year. But this has been the same core, and I said three years, excuse me, Bachmeyer is only a true sophomore, but for the last two, Halani and Khalil have been there three years. Anyway, bottom line is, like, their core, is it's very similar to BYU, these two programs, in that they've had a core that's been playing together, starting, getting a lot of reps for each of the last, you know, two to three years. And so, yeah, that Boise team is formidable. Even though there was not going to be fans in the stands up in Boise, there's still just something about that stadium. It's going to be next week. It's going to be windy. I, I mean, hopefully they have the same forecast as we do, which is 60s and nice, but still, regardless, there's a glare on that turf. They're, they're going to be in their all-blue uniforms. There's just something up there that puts you on edge. And BYU, obviously, has never gone up there and won, so there's some demons to be exercised. I expect an absolute dogfight next week. I'm so excited after. And look, proud of Tom Homo, and the, and the players can only play the schedule that's put in front of them. But, man, the reason why we love college football is for the competition, and BYU hasn't faced much of it up to this point. But next Friday is going to be a showdown. Riley, it's good to hear from you. Thanks for coming on the air, and uh, back to the babies. You bet, guys. Have a good show. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, former BYU quarterback. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, David Locke and Lincoln Kennedy. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz have been sold to Ryan and Ashley Smith from Qualtrics. I think the thing you can take away from today's conversation is you have one established Utah family selling an NBA team to another established Utah family. And that's the most important thing is the realization that this team is not going anywhere with a family in Ryan and Ashley that is bound and determined to make this team successful here in Utah. And will do everything they can to bring a championship to Utah. That was always Larry's goal. That was Gail's goal. 
goal, and I think we can all safely say that's very much Ryan's goal as well. We've seen some of these big tech giants step in as owners. Look at Mark Cuban's purchase of the Dallas Mavericks and how far they've come. The passion that he has for that team. I believe that Ryan Smith will have that same passion for the Utah Jazz. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Well, PK, we're a little yes. interview heavy on a football Friday, but you've got an intriguing question with multiple intriguing answers out. We're going to have to devote some time to this next week. What suggestions do you have for new jazz owner Ryan Smith? Everybody wants to own the team. Everybody's got a good idea or 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about owner. I think that all of us are GM. <laughs> that's that's part of the fun. Yes, um, absolutely. But I think, and, and while there are a ton of basketball things here, there's also a lot of suggestions that are more from the fan angle and the fan experience. They don't have to do with the basketball. So you're okay. right. There yeah. are players who want to be uh, GM. Uh, People, fans. Yes. Uh, Grayson. Damon Spida in the backcourt would be freaking amazing. So, okay, yes, there are people who want to make personnel moves, right? Uh, but I'm not even going to read the name of everybody who said Jerry Sloan statue. That oh, I've been is advocating that for years. That is all over. And the only thing that's different, yes, and there's been plenty of talk among the fan base about that. The only thing that's different is now there are multiple people saying uh, Larry statue, find a whale to. Uh, Brett says, find a way to honor Gail for her contributions. So is there some way that uh, Jerry is standing near the statues playing and, and the Millers are sitting in their familiar seats? Is there some way to turn that into a whole mini? You, you get the whole point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely think they're going to have to do something beyond what they've done for the Miller family and Gail Miller. This the epitome of grace. Uh, so and they're, they're not going away entirely. But I think their recognition and their contribution, because really, obviously, without Larry and Gail, who knows where we are? Uh, probably not with the Jazz, certainly. Maybe they could have got another team down the road. But nevertheless, uh, it needs to be honored. And Jerry Sloan, yeah, I, I, would, I would absolutely be okay with that. I mean, the more the merrier. You go to some of these places, like Notre Dame, you walk around their football stadium, they've got several. The San Francisco Giants baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. They've got several. It starts uh, from what would be uh, left field and go all the way around behind the front of the stadium. Obviously, is that's reserved for Willie Mays, the greatest baseball player of all time. Anybody who disagrees, shut up. You're an idiot. <laughs> it is Willie Mays, and he's right at the center as you go into the main entrance behind home plate. And then they've got more statues going down the right field side. So, Fen- Fenway Park has a similar deal outside. They've got stuff. Oh, and St. Louis has a whole bunch, and then they've got uh, the same thing with uh, Stan Musial, recognized as the greatest Cardinal. He's separated from those guys, but so it would be like at the center of the stadium when you're walking in, and down uh, the right field side is, is several of their guys, and obviously they've had a storied franchise too. So, yeah, why not? It's To me, it's like, you know, with the BYU when they have on the, the press box side all those bowl appearances and retired, uh, not jerseys or numbers. Honored, honored numbers. Yeah. I mean, put them up there. 
celebrate it. You've had a glorious history, and I've been trying to listen to as much national stuff, and yesterday sitting at a, a field uh, waiting for a practice, a band practice to get over that uh, ran just probably a little bit too late for my taste. City. <laughs> <laughs> That was subtle. Not really. (laughs) Hurry up. Let's end this thing. And I'm sitting in the car listening to uh, Winhorst. Uh, on a podcast, and they were I'm flicking around looking for stuff, and they're t- they're talking about uh, Ryan Smith, and obviously everybody. I mean, universally, uses one time you could say literally everyone. When they get to the Millers, it's nothing but praise, first class. You hear the same words, different sounding voices, different names, but the message is exactly the same. So go ahead and honor that. Richard says, "Run the team the way Mark Cuban runs the Mavericks." There is, and David Locke will get into this next, you know, there are a lot of people who made money in tech money who've gone into pro sports, right? Uh, But Cuban is one, and we know from social media that he's got a relationship on some level with Ryan Smith. And so it wouldn't be shocking, actually, if some of that was emulated. So, Richard, there there might be hope for you, Richard Johnson. Run the team the way Mark Cuban runs the mask. Emulate the best of, not because Cuban had some rocky times early. Sure, but really, if you, there's no training, and Locke will probably get into this, there's really no training for doing this. There's a little bit, but not a lot. And so, yeah, but don't make it about you. Right. And there was yeah. a little bit early on, it was more of a clown show, and he was making it about him. And he dialed that back big time. Obviously, yes. Uh, Matt, make it so you can stream the jazz without cable. <laughs> That, Matt, I I think it's easy to get people to second that. And you got 12 thumbs up and hearts, and people are all about that. Yes! Exclamation point, Grayson says. People are ready for the streaming option. All right, we'll get more to that when we have more time. Uh, we got to take a break right now. When we come back, David Locke will join us so we can run some of this past him. And then Raiders analyst Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 830. Stay with us.